me. And hey, welcome tonight. I'm usually um, with the teenagers, but I, I wanted to have at least one or two chances to talk to you on Wednesday night. So here we are, okay? Let's uh, take our Bibles and go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And wow, what a great time. I don't know what all Aaron talked about or covered, so I'm afraid to give any announcements. But did you talk about Justin and Erica? Okay. Oh, okay, cool. That's going to be awesome. So, but Erica and Justin uh, Talbert, this is their last Sunday coming up on Sunday the 27th. So I want to encourage you to be there. And uh, we're going to have a time of dedication and send off for them as they go to Grace Baptist Church in Fort Valley, Georgia. You know, I'm preaching this Sunday uh, on the verse, Jesus said, upon this rock I'll build my church. And sometimes people have interpreted that to mean that each individual local church will always experience numerical growth, which of course is false. That's obviously not what that means. Because churches have come and gone, right? Some churches aren't even in existence today that were in existence 40, 50 years ago. So we know that's not the, that's not the case or the Bible's not true. What is true is that the ministry of the church built on Jesus Christ would live on in perpetuity. Think about this. If River City Baptist Church closed its doors tomorrow permanently, it would actually live on in at least six other churches, right? There's a church in Dayton, Ohio that has one of our people there pastoring it. There's a church in Kings Mills, Ohio that has one of our members pastoring it. There's one in uh, Indiana right now. Now there's one in Fort Valley, Georgia. There's one in Paraguay, South America. There's one in Haiti. There's one, in, that's actually seven, one going to Hong Kong. So. That's what that is talking about. I, I love that thought. I love the thought that the church, the promise of the church growing in perpetuity is that the mission of the church will always advance. Nobody's going to stop it. I mean, think about that. If you dropped a bomb on this place tonight, you could never stop what happened here. It will live on in multiplication forever and ever and ever. And Justin and Erica... Uh, are the, the uh, next ones to go out and to serve from here. And I'm thankful that God's opened up this door at Missions Conference this year. I'm going to talk about how we're going to be a part of that because the church only has about 30 people in it. And so they're going to need our help and financial support as we uh, carry on and get them going at least through their first year. So come to see them off on uh, Sunday. And uh, we'll say more about that on social media and email over the next couple days. But uh, we're looking forward to helping them. And seeing them going about their journey. And don't forget also uh, that Sunday school begins on April the, April the 3rd. And so when this class is over on March the 20, I'm sorry, uh, February the 23rd, I think it is. Or Mar I don't know what day it is, whatever. What is today? Yeah, it's March 23rd. When it's over on March 23rd, we're going to flip back to Sunday school and start some new classes. So I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, so let's take a look now at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we want to look, if you will, at verse number 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. 
Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And all things are of God who has, or excuse me, <clears throat> I lost my place there, I'm sorry. Now all things are of God, I'm sorry, verse 18, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Watch this phrase here. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. I want to talk to you tonight about how our words are and should be reflective of people who are ambassadors for Christ. Um, we know what an ambassador is. An ambassador is basically someone in a different location speaking on behalf of a representative of another location. So if you're an American ambassador to Israel, it means you're in Israel at an embassy and you are negotiating with, talking to government officials in Israel as a representation of the United States of America. And so you are speaking what your president or leadership would be speaking if by chance they were there themselves talking to the government official. Interestingly enough, in the world of retail and shopping, uh, many times companies have what they call brand ambassadors. Uh, this would be basically somebody that was hired on to promote an item. Somebody like Tiger Woods for Nike or uh, Steph Curry for Under Armour. And that's kind of how we normally think. But uh, in other retail world, like back in, the, uh, in 2008, uh, the goods, luxury goods retailer, this is great, Christian Dewar. I don't even know what that is. I guess it's like, you know, high-end stuff or whatever. They hired Sharon Stone to be in their advertisements in 2008. However, following an earthquake in China in which 68,000 people died, Sharon Stone said in public, I quote, that the earthquake was a result of bad karma due to China's occupation of the country Tibet. Now this is what Sharon Stone did not expect was going to happen. That there was widespread anger in China. The national Chinese news outlet called her the public enemy of all mankind. Her films, Sharon Stone's films, were immediately banned from China. And what they also didn't understand was that China was the fastest growing market for that luxury brand in 2008, and it all fell flat. So basically, this was a failed ambassadorship. She was supposed to represent the company and represent their best interests, and it ended up flopping on her. You know, here's the bottom line with our words. Our words should be a reflection that we are representing the Lord Jesus Christ. So when we're talking to people, when we are uh, posting on social media, when we are uh, in conversations with our children, 
with our parents, with our neighbors, with our siblings, with whoever that might be, we are standing there as a representative of Jesus Christ. And so, we okay here? Okay, here, let's help her up and out, please. That'd be great. Okay, that's fine. Why don't you, why don't you, go ahead, Brad, take her out, please. Yes, please. You good? Are you good? Okay, because you can, you can leave, really, it'd be fine with me. Seriously, I don't need you to distract what I'm trying to do, so. Really, are you okay? Because if, if you're here, I'm sorry? Okay, thank you. So, I, please don't do it again, okay? That would be great. So, basically, what we find here is that this woman, Sharon Stone, was a failed ambassador. She did not represent the interest of her company that was paying her this money. So I think as we think about our words, we have to think about being an ambassador of Christ. In other words, let me, let me say it another way. My relationships, the relationships in which I have conversations with people on any level, the way I should be viewing those relationships is not a person that I leverage to get an advantage or not an argument that I'm trying to win, but rather in whatever relationship that God has given me, I should be viewing that as I am representing Christ in this relationship. And the truth is, that relationship might have one of many needs in it that if, that if Christ were the one involved in the relationship, he might have various words or various reasons for those words that we should be very careful about. I'm going to point out in just a minute four different ways that we might relate to somebody as an ambassador of Christ. And depending on who this person is in our, in our life, depending on what their relationship with us is, or frankly, depending on what their need is, then it might mean that my relationship with that person is different based upon their need because their need for Christ, in other words, Daniel's need for Christ, might be different than Rhonda's need for Christ. In other words, just as an example, let's say that, let's say that Daniel wasn't even a Christian, right? So I'm an ambassador in, a, in that sense to Daniel. But let's say that Rhonda, her, her need was that she was going through maybe some sorrow or some deep loss. Well, all of a sudden, now I'm representing Christ in a different way to her. All of us need Christ. All of us need Christ all the time, and all of us need Christ in different ways at different times. So you and I get the privilege and the opportunity to be an ambassador. Now, here's the thing, guys. I don't know that we are this conscious about our words as we should be. And I mean, I just, you know, you just go out and you just think about, like, any given day. I know me. Like, I, I'll, I'll just, I'm just going to show you how fleshly I can be sometimes, okay? Uh, after one of the conference services the other night here at the church, a lot of the guys, a lot of the preachers wanted to go out to, um, what's, the, what's the place, what's Cantina Louis? Cantina Louis, the one right by the hotel over there, which is a great restaurant, okay? But they close at 10, and not only do they close at 10, 
They closed stuff down before 10, and they, they were very bad at customer service in this regard. I kind of knew that. I'd been there before, like showed up at 9.30, and they're like, hey, you know, there's only a certain amount of things that you can get here. So I kind of knew that going in, and, 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 and all the rest of them got there before I did, okay? And so I show up, and Kurt Skelly's there, and... Carrie Schmidt is there, out-of-town guests are there, me and Angie show up, Wes and Noel Combs were there joining us, we, we show up, we, we, we come to sit down, and Kurt looks up at me and goes, hey, we had to order for you because they said they were shutting the grill down at 9.30, and I said, well, what did you order me? And he was like, chicken fajitas, and I was like, I don't want chicken fajitas, so the girl comes back around, I said, hey, hey, Litla, uh, hey, you know, um, like, what time do y'all close? 10, okay, and like, do you mind me asking why? I can't order food, like, right, and, and, then I, and then I caught myself, and I was like, look at me, look at what I'm doing, I was actually mad, you know, I'm kind of like over there rolling my eyes, like, are you kidding me, are you kidding me, you know good and well, if you wanted to put another order in for something else, you could, and you could swap out my chicken fajitas for something else, if you wanted to, and I, I kind of started down that road, like it started kind of coming up, but I felt it, and I stopped, and the thought crossed my mind, the last thing in the world this girl needs is the pastor of the church down the street giving her a hard time over something so stupid like chicken. And by the way, they were fantastic. So I got rewarded for my good behavior. That's a joke, okay? I don't believe that. But, but I, do you understand what I'm saying? How many times similar to what I just described have you found yourself on the wrong side of ambassadorship. And you were more like Sharon Stone ruining the reputation of Christian Dewar in China, but you were actually ruining the reputation of Jesus in Walmart. Or you were ruining the reputation of Jesus at the bank. Or you were ruining the reputation of Jesus with your neighbor. Think of how many times a, a, a conversation could be twisted and changed for the better if we actually always were thinking, okay, yeah, okay, here's a woman, she is at Walmart, she's the person checking me out, or here's a banker giving me my deposit slip, or, or, or here's my neighbor, that irritating, bothersome neighbor that always gets on my nerves, or whatever, and I'm, not, I'm no longer viewing them as those things, but I'm now viewing them as somebody, watch this, as somebody that Jesus really cares about, and that Jesus wants to minister to in some way, and here's the deal. He's not here in body. But guess who is? Me. His ambassador. So think about that. I mean, that verse again says, now as the ambassador of Christ, at, listen to this wording again, as though God did beseech you through us. How would I treat someone if I was imploring them, praying with them, talking with them, encouraging them. But the way I did it was I, was I consciously thought about the fact that God was the one doing this through me. What would I say? How might I say it? How differently might I approach it if I viewed it as I'm representing Christ here? I mean, I got to tell you, man, like, like there may be some parents in here. I, I, I have to think about this consciously as I parent my kids. And, and I mean, this may shock you, but my kids get in trouble a lot. 
and, and, and some of them more than others. I won't mention the ones that get in trouble more than others, but it probably wouldn't shock you, okay? And the fact is, even when my kids get in trouble, think about this, even when my kids get in trouble, how would Jesus treat a kid that gets in trouble? Somebody said it like this one time. They said, you'll know that you parented right if when your kids mess up, they say, I've got to go talk to my dad. But if they mess up and say, I can't talk to my dad because he's going to kill me, you did it wrong. You did it wrong. Because sometimes, listen, sometimes as a parent, I'm parenting for good behavior, not for Christian character. And there's a difference. And sometimes we parent because we want a product that doesn't embarrass us. Or sometimes we parent because we don't want the headache of what it requires to have the conversations, to peacefully talk, to set the record straight or whatever the case may be. The easiest thing is to do what? Come down hard, raise the voice, end the conversation just like that, get it over with. But that's not ambassadorship. Ambassadors are diplomats. Ambassadors talk. Ambassadors represent their Lord well. And that's what we're talking about tonight. We're talking about our relationships and our conversations are as ambassadors. So in that regard, I want to give you four different ways and four different scenarios in which ambassadorship comes through. Okay? I'm going to give you four words. I'm going to give them to you right now. And then I'm, then I'm going to start going through them because if I don't get through all of them, at least you'll have them. Okay? Number one. Number The first and foremost way that I might represent Jesus as an ambassador is through exhortation. Exhortation. That word simply means cheering somebody on or encouraging somebody or giving them life. Okay? Number two. So there's exhortation. Number two. I might be the ambassador of Jesus Christ in reconciliation. Reconciliation. Putting things back together. Number three. I might be a representative of Jesus Christ in consolation. Consolation, that is, somebody is in need of the gentleness and the warm embrace of Christ, and I can be that. And then finally, I might need to be an ambassador in evangelism, evangelism. Those four ways, I could be an ambassador for Christ. Don't think, guys, don't do not think that the only way that we represent Jesus is when we share the gospel with somebody. That is a huge way. And I'll be honest with you. We're not doing that enough. We're not doing that enough. I'm burdened about this. I'm burdened. Every time I start coming into missions conference, and I, of course, I, I'm tempted to start thinking about, you know, Paraguay and Hong Kong and Haiti and all these things. And I, I look, I'm never going to stop talking about that. But let me tell you something. The light that shines farthest shines brightest at home. The one that gets the message out the furthest is the one that does it right here in the backyard. I got a meeting on Friday. Get this. I got a meeting this coming Friday. Uh, our, the principal of the school where my kids go called me and said, hey, Brian, will you meet with me and this lady who has, and, and Cliff, you may know her, I can't think of her name, but uh, she runs a, a ministry called Fun Day School. Fun Day School. I think that's what it's called. F-U-N-D-A-Y. Fun Day School. And I don't know anything about them. Never met them before. But they have a ministry in Arlington where they basically do backyard Bible-type clubs, neighborhood kind of Bible clubs in Arlington and traditionally have bust a bunch of kids downtown to a big church down there, and, and they, it just became impractical. And this is the question. This is the question they asked me. 
We have children in your neighborhood that want to go to church, and we want to know if they can come to your church. And, of course, I want to say, we don't even need to have lunch about this. Just give me a name, give me an address, and we're there, right? Isn't that where we should be? Kids need a church. We need to get them to church. They need Jesus. We are the representative of Jesus, sure. But that's not the only way in which we are ambassadors. Let me walk through these real quick. Encouragement. Encouragement or exhortation. That's the first way. The fact of the matter is there are times when people need encouragement just like there are times when you need encouragement. Now, where do you primarily get your encouragement from? The answer should be, this is a softball, the answer should be, I get it from Jesus. David encouraged himself in the Lord. And let me help you with something right now. If you are dependent on somebody else other than Jesus for your encouragement, your encouragement is going to be very short-lived. You should not be emotionally codependent on somebody else. You really shouldn't be. You should not be totally dependent on some words of affirmation from other people. You should get your encouragement from the Lord. Nothing's more encouraging than his word and your personal relationship with him. Nobody's closer. You know, nobody's, nobody's a friend that sticks closer than Christ in our lives. And we have found when we are discouraged, when we're struggling, that it is our relationship with Christ that kind of pushes us forward a little bit. And there are times when the same thing is true in our lives right now where we are discouraged for all kinds of whatever reasons it might be, or somebody that we know is. And, and really what they might need is us providing an encouraging word, a cup of coffee, a meal, any, any, any number of ways that you can encourage somebody, but you can actually represent Christ in that way. In the same way that he has provided encouragement for you, you can provide encouragement for someone else. I, I put a sign up, or uh, Brianna's put a sign up in the office that says, uh, I forget exactly the word, I might pray for and encourage somebody today. I want everybody that walks through our office to see that. That's something everybody can do. Did you know that? You know what's happened in our, in our, in our culture today? The whole world has changed. Pastoring has changed. It's different. It's different. It's all crazy. Okay? You know how you pastor? You pastor from your phone. Well, guess what? You can do that too. It's not that hard. Anybody can pastor from their phone. Anybody. Let me ask you a question. Can you name me five people that weren't in church on Sunday? Can you? Not your wife, not your husband, not, you know, Greg, because you know he does, he knows 20. Can you, right now, think of five people that weren't at church? Okay? I hope you can. I sure hope you can. If not, please help me. You're in this for the wrong reason. Okay? If you cannot name five people that weren't in church on Sunday, then you're, 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 you're here and something else is going on. Unless you weren't here, okay? I get, I get that. Some of you are like, man, I wasn't even here. Okay, I, I understand that. That'd be real hard. But if you were here, if you were here, and, sorry guys, if you were here and you cannot even think, then, then you were probably not here thinking the right way about why you are here. I was criticized recently, uh, somebody said, I don't feel like I get pastored like I did when he first came. Well, first of all, I appreciate that. <laughs> I appreciate you telling them instead of me. Uh, that was a blessing too. 
And you know what I want to say? Well, right. Because when I came, there were like 50 people here. And now there's like 270 people that are members and regular attenders. It should be obvious to everybody in the house that I can't pastor people the same way I did when the church had 50 people, right? You want to know why I can't? Hold on. Hang on. Why I shouldn't? It's because if I'm not training people around me to pastor with me, then I'm doing it wrong. And if you're not learning to pastor yourself in some measure, then you're not here for the right reason. Why do you always have to be the one receiving the encouraging phone call? Why do you have to be the one receiving the encouraging text message? Why don't you send one? If you miss church for any reason, what would you think Jesus would do? I think he might send you a text and say something like this. I really missed you in my house Sunday. It's always better when you're there. Hope to see you next week. That's probably about right, don't you think? He sure wouldn't send it from an Android, I can tell you that. He'd send it from an iPhone, but that's a whole other story. But, but, I, but I am telling you, I, I actually believe that probably something like that would encourage. Because you know what? He does not stamp out a smoking flax, and he does not break off a bruised reed. So he's going to do something to keep that flame flickering and something to keep that stalk straight. He's going to offer encouragement. Number two. Number two. We're ambassadors sometimes in the sense of comfort. Comfort. Jesus, Luke chapter 4, heals the brokenhearted. He heals the brokenhearted. There's a sense in which the ministry of Jesus is healing people that are hurting and broken. And while there's a fine line, I think, between number one and number two, they are different. One is more, let me, let me kind of encourage you to get you moving. The other is simply being the gentle and lowly person that somebody can cry on, that a shoulder that somebody can lean on, just like Christ was for his people and, and is even to this day. I was thinking um, just this past uh, weekend, we had a youth activity on Saturday, and uh, one, of the, one of the Browner uh, kids came, and Leah Parker dropped uh, Aaliyah off. So Leah, Leah, of course, lost her husband Randy a year ago through, from COVID, the only COVID death in our church, and, um, and she's just had a hard time. It's just been hard. And and there's a lot of, lot of reasons. You know, we saw her, and Angie hadn't seen her in a long time. And her and Angie had been close. When she went through the loss of Randy, you know, Angie had lost her dad. And there was just all kinds of this, you know, synergy and ministry going on. I mean to tell you, when Leah pulled up in the truck, and me and Angie were standing out there in the parking lot, I mean, she threw that truck into park as fast as she could and ran out of that truck and grabbed a hold of Angie's neck and hugged her. And there was just this moment, okay, and, you know, I don't know what Leah, Leah, Leah has, sometimes, you know, being here is hard for her because, she, you know, her time with her husband, just all these. But you know what? I'm not as interested in does Leah go to my church or a church where she's more comfortable right now. I'm more concerned that just Leah's heart is ministered to the way Christ would minister to her. And so sometimes people need to be comforted. They need for you to just be there. They need you. You know, let me, let, me get, let me help you here a little bit, okay? I come from a ministry when I came here <clears throat> that was notorious 
for this phrase. Let me know if you need anything. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? Hey, hey, let me know if you need something. Well, how many of you know that most people that are hurting and struggling, they're just not going to tell you? Hey, you need anything, Pastor? <laughs> no, I'm good. We're good. Everything's good. No, it's not. Okay, instead of doing that, let me know if you need anything, here's a better way to do it. I'm bringing dinner. What time works? Or I'm going to take you out this weekend just, you know, for, for something, whatever. And um, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I bought your children something. When's a good time to drop it off? You see the difference there? One puts the burden of the need on the person who needs it. The other puts the burden of the need on the person who's trying to meet the need. And let me ask you a question. When Jesus meets your needs, who's the one that receives the burden? He does. He does. And guys, I know, I know, please don't misunderstand me. I know the intention is good, but the execution is a lot of times poor. And what we need to do is we need to be willing to shoulder stuff for people even when they don't think they need it shouldered or they're too embarrassed or, or self-conscious or whatever to actually verbalize what they actually need. Sometimes we just need to jump out ahead there and be there and comfort. So we got, we got exhortation, we have comfort, and then we have number three, reconciliation. There are times when our words need people back into a right relationship with God and one another. And this isn't easy, but let me tell you, even 2 Corinthians chapter 5 talks about the fact that we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. Do you want to know one of the greatest things that the gospel did is bring two hostile parties back together again? That's part of what happened in your salvation. In your salvation, you were at enmity with God. You were alienated. You were a stranger, a child of disobedience, doomed for hell. And God, watch this, God took you out of that and made you a child and put you at the table, the table of grace. That's what reconciliation is. Two parties that were at odds one with another, and now they're together again. So, so you know, sometimes in representing Jesus, we have to be the person who helps parties come back together again. You know, sometimes ministering to people and being an ambassador for Christ is tough. And I know as far as pastoring, it's hard because sometimes when you get down in the dirt with people, sometimes that's really difficult for them, and then it's hard for them to let you continue to pastor them because it's just too much. And that's true with a lot of people. You get down in the dirt with people and then they, you know, they, they're like, oh, he knows this or he knows that or whatever. And, uh, and it's hard sometimes. But let me tell you something. There are times when people need to hear, you need to go say you're sorry to somebody. You know, every time, when we, when we have a, a disciplined time with our kids, and this is probably the best example you're going to have when you're training your kids up and you're trying to teach them the gospel, let me tell you what not to do. Let me tell you what not to do when you're parenting. Get mad, spank, slam the door, walk away. That's the worst thing you can do. Okay? If you're going to discipline children, here's what you need to do. You need to slow down. You need to be calm because your kids need to know you're serious before you raise your voice. You understand the danger of that, right? If the only time I discipline my kids is when I've raised my voice and it's got to some elevated level, that means your kids know the only time you're serious is when you're screaming. That's bad. Okay, so in a calm way, 
you can sit down and you can talk about the offense and make sure that they clearly understand, even my smallest children. Blake, okay, and sometimes I wonder if Blake is on a different planet or not, but poor Blake, I'll just sit down and, you know, what'd you do, Blake? I don't know. You know, that's what he says all the time. It's his favorite phrase, Blake. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, but he does know. And I'm going to sit down with him until he tells me what happened. That way he knows that I know and he knows that he's acknowledging this is what I did. Then you take care of the offense, whatever corrective measures you deem appropriate, and then you pray with them and then you have them go to the other person. So let's, let's use Blake and Ashley. I mean, they're, they're virtually twins, okay? Like today, I, I'm, I'm getting ready to come to church and I hear Ashley screaming like something traumatic was happening in the pool and I'm thinking, oh no, what happened? I go out there and what's wrong? I don't know. That's what Blake said. Oh, Ashley, he splashed me. And I was like, well, honey, you're in a pool. Okay, you're in a pool. This happens. So I brought him out. I made him stand right in front of my knees, both of them. I made them both look at me in the eye. And I said, somebody's going to have to tell me what happened here. Blake splashed me. And, and, and I said, okay, well, Ashley, listen. Um, sometimes in a pool, you get splashed, okay? And I looked at Blake and said, Blake, now you need to understand that if you were splashing her and it bothers her, you need to stop. Then what? Tell Ashley you're sorry. It's a moment of reconciliation. I'm teaching them from the time they're two and three years old that when something doesn't go right, what do you have to do? You've got to make it right. This is what Jesus does. Jesus brings reconciliation to our lives with God. Jesus brings reconciliation to our lives with one another. In fact, you can study this out. It's, it's, it's powerful. It's Ephesians chapter 2. He brought reconciliation to God, and he brought reconciliation to others. It's the ministry of reconciliation. So our ministry with other people will do that. It will either make their lives connect with God again like it should, or it'll make their lives connect with others again. And sometimes you got to do that. Remember Philippians chapter 4? Euodius and Syntyche are arguing with one another. They can't get along. And what does Paul say? Paul says, you true yoke fellow. It's what, I love this in the King James. True yoke fellow. It's a great phrase in the Bible. Help these women, okay? It's like my favorite, you know, sentence in all the Bible. Help the women. I'm, I'm kidding. But I love that. I love that, the wording there, true yoke fellow. He's talking to the church, men of the church, and this is what he says. Help them. Yoke fellow meant literally to help these ladies get back in the yoke together. They can't figure it out. They don't know how to work. They're at odds. One of the, they're, 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 they're split and divided over this. Sometimes you got to grab one person's hand and grab another person's hand and put those hands together and help them walk together again. Okay? And that's part of our job. The final one is the most obvious one, and that is sometimes as ambassadors, our relationship with the person is that of evangelism. Okay? Evangelism. And guys, I want to tell you, I, 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 don't, I, I fear and this is not a guilt trip thing. It's a thing about me, too. And Angie and I were just talking about this the other day. We're not doing a good job of this. Okay? I said we, not you. I said we. We're not doing a good job of this. We need to take our job seriously. Our job as ambassadors is to tell people who don't know about Jesus about Jesus. Okay? It's a job that every one of us has. Everybody in this church 
If you are a Christian, you are supposed to share Jesus with other people. Now, there are ways to do it. There are simple ways to do it. There are, there are even apps, people. Literally, there are apps that you can click the page and just walk through it with somebody. It's not complicated. And how about this? You don't have to have an app. You don't have to have a plan. If you got a story, that's good enough. If you got a story. And I, I'm praying that we will catch this more and better. And that we will have a burden for people. And a lot of times, even when you do something like an event where you, where you say, hey, let's, let's, let's bring an unsafe friend. We bring our church friends. And I understand. I've done it too. But I'm saying there ought to be something about us that is, as a, is right now a relationship that we are working on. My son's been a real challenge to me on this right now, Brent. Brent's got a buddy in the neighborhood named Caleb, and he is an absolute rascal. I mean, he is. He's a tough kid. He's from a tough home. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a bad situation. It's obvious. Um, Caleb was at the park with him the other day and, and uh, jumped, off the, jumped off the top of the monkey bars. And when he landed on the ground, his knee hit his eye and cut his eye open. And Brent's walking him home. And he's bleeding out everywhere. And, and they showed up back at the house that night. And I got to meet his dad. Very obviously, this is a very, very tough situation. Okay. You know, Caleb's cussing in front of Brent. And Brent's going, <laughs> so Brent just stopped him and said, hey, man, um, <laughs> he said, uh, you shouldn't talk like that. You need Jesus. <laughs> and the, the guy said, you're probably right. He said, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't go to church. Brent said, well, I'll give you a Bible. So we gave him a Bible yesterday evening. His dad had to go out there and ask him if it was okay. And he reluctantly said, yeah, sure, give him a Bible. Almost like rolling his eyes. Like, oh, boy. Well, that was a challenge to me. That was Brent's first thought as a nine-year-old. You need Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus. Okay, well, I mean, think about that. That's a nine-year-old. What about us? Is that our first thought? You know, even something as simple as just raising your conscience level just a little bit. Guys, let, let me give you an example. Let me give you the easiest example. The easiest example to get into a gospel conversation. It, I have done this. If I've done it one time, I've done it a thousand times. I'm not doing it good enough now, and I know that. My son's doing much better than I am right now. But there's a whole rack out there of invitations to our church. They're really simple. They're sharp. They're clean looking. They're the size of a three by five card. And you know what? You can have a handful of them in your dash or in your shirt pocket or in your purse or, in, or just, you know, on your desk or wherever you get ready. It's that you put them in your pocket or something. I find it best to have them in my car. It's just easy. I, if I know they're in my car when I'm going through a drive through or, you know, if I'm going into a store, I can grab one or whatever. I have found myself so many times in the last several weeks without a tract. Let me give you an example. I stopped at Aldi the other day, and I don't even know why I was there. I don't know why I didn't hurt, but <clears throat> this is probably why. It's probably why. Maybe I need to use Instacart less. Because maybe I need to be in front of people more. Maybe. So anyways, I, I, I walk I, I walk in the Aldi, and there's a, there's a homeless guy standing there, sitting there. 
right outside, right, right, right for the pillar. And I'm usually not as inclined to be as kind, but it just, he, he was young, um, he was roughed up, but he, he didn't look, he was, I don't think he was drunk, he was just sitting there, and all, all, it said, all a sign said was, I'm hungry. And it just, it just hit me, probably like it should hit me more than it does normally. So I said, you know what, I'm going into Aldi, I might as well grab him some food, right? Here I am, right here, he's hungry, I'm right here. I, man, what a great opportunity. So I grabbed a loaf of bread, some peanut butter, honey, and a couple other things, and got the things I was getting. And I mean, good night, what, I spent $5 or something? So I walk outside, I, I bought a bag so I could separate the, the groceries, and I walked out. And as soon as I walked out, I looked out, and he was gone. I was like, oh, come on, the one time that I was being nice, you know. So you know what I did? I thought, well, he was, he was on foot. He's got to be around here somewhere. So I started driving around the parking lot. Two or three times, and Angie was with me. I was like, I am so, he, he has got to be here somewhere. And so the third time I spun around Starbucks, he was walk, He was actually on a bike. I didn't see his bike. He was on a bike, and, uh, and he had a muffin in his hand. I think somebody bought him a muffin. He was eating a muffin as fast as he could and kind of riding his bike. And I just pulled up beside of him. I said, hey, man, hey, come here, man, come here. And I handed him the bag of groceries. I said, man, I saw you were hungry. I'm sorry. I'm sure, I'm sure probably things are not as good as you probably want them to be. But here, I hope this will feed you for a couple days. And super kind, super gracious. Yeah, I'm from Louisiana. And who knows? Whether his story is true or not, it really just doesn't matter. But I said, hey, I'm a pastor, and I'd like, to, I'd like to take some time and show you about Jesus, the one who satisfies forever, and you'll never be hungry again. And I'm, I mean, I'm like, this is on, let's go. And I'm reaching for a track, I didn't have one. And I could have just smacked myself. So I did the best I could. I took the receipt from Aldi and wrote my name, my cell phone number, website address. I'm like writing everything, John 316. I'm, I'm doing everything I can. I mean, I, and I tried, but there I was empty-handed. That's on me. I missed an opportunity. And, and maybe he'll come around. Maybe, who knows? Who knows? I, I shared with him as fast as I could, as quick as I could under the circumstances about Christ. But the bottom line is this. I'm not always prepared, meaning I'm not always the ambassador that I should be. So please don't think I'm like chewing at you on this. I'm not. I know that evangelism is not something that could be externally motivated. Okay? Evangelism is internally motivated. And guys, I don't know about you, but when I see somebody get baptized, it just reminds me. God's still saving people. And it's our job. And I will never be content. I, I, I was at my home church, the church I got saved in about four weeks ago preaching there. And I'll, every time I go there, I always, it's been years. Last time I was there was probably 15 years ago. But I went into the room where I got saved. And it's been converted. It's now like a mother's cry room. But, you know, I stood about, as best I could, the spot where I felt like I, you know, got on my knees and accepted Christ. And I... Then I walked up to the baptistry where one week later I got baptized and took a picture. And you know what saddens me every time I go, the last couple times I've been, is that that baptistry is always empty. And Dave and Greg will tell you that at the old building, first thing I said to them, they voted on me one Sunday and I was on my way out the door to get my things. I was going to be back next Sunday. I said, I want the baptistry full next week. And I didn't know who was going to be in it, but somebody's going to be in it. 
I want to see people saved. And the, and, and the, the demonstration, faith gone public is baptism. That's what it is. Okay? Faith happens first, obviously, then baptism. But the first and clearest measurement that somebody has accepted Christ is that they're willing to identify with him publicly. I'm not saying you have to be baptized to be saved, but I am saying when you get saved, you'll get baptized. Okay? That's what I'm saying. So in my mind, as I think through what is the best way that I can know that people are accepting Christ, is the only way I can even possibly know is by people being baptized. So when people aren't being baptized, I start getting hungry. Right? And, and you know what, though? I can't, I, I, I'm not going to bear that burden by myself. It's not, it's not the way that it works. And I appreciate people like Asante. He's getting serious about it. I'll never forget when he texted me and said, I think I got one of my guys ready to get baptized. He didn't even know what that means. But he was talking about it enough, right? And then he just texted me the other day, I got another guy, Dre. Pray for Dre. Dre's about to get saved. I pray every day for Jeremiah uh, to get saved because I know he's asked a lot of questions. Andy and Melody's son. And on and on we go. I want them to get saved. Come on, y'all. Y'all with me here? That's what, that's what this is all about. And I'm not going to get all twisted up and tangled up and stuff and doesn't matter. That's the only thing that does matter. And if that's not what we're going to do, then somebody just inform me because I just soon lock the door up and go fishing, like actual fishing out in the river, okay? Because that's more fun than doing church, playing a game without going after souls, right? It's something that's got to be on our heart. It's something that you should probably think, at least this question, I'll close. I'm taking more time than I intended. Here's the question. Is there anybody right now in your life right now that you are praying for and working toward their salvation? Anybody right now that you are praying for and working toward their salvation? If not, then my mission this week would be I'm going to go find one. I'm going to go find one. I don't have to know them, and I can go find somebody that needs Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this night. Thank you for our folks. I thank you for the word. I thank you for this study that has challenged us in, excuse me, how we talk and the way that we use our words with a mission and a purpose we love you and we're thankful for how great you are. We thank you for how you have changed our lives. Help us to take with sincerity the ministry of reconciliation. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.